Grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us hear the word of God. As we find it written in the Gospel according to St. Luke, reading there in the 12th chapter, beginning at the 49th verse. I am come to send fire on the earth, and what will I if it be already kindled? But I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how am I straightened till it be accomplished? Suppose ye that I am come to give peace on earth? I tell you nay, but rather division. For from henceforth there shall be five in one house divided, three against two and two against three. The father shall be divided against the son and the son against the father. The mother against the daughter and the daughter against the mother. The mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And he said also to the people, When ye see a cloud rise out of the west, straightway ye say, oh, There cometh a shower, and so it is. And when ye see the south wind blow, ye say, There will be heat, and it cometh to pass. Ye hypocrites, ye can discern the face of the sky and of the earth, but how is it that ye do not discern this time? Yea, and why even of yourselves judge ye not what is right? And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Good morning, dear friends in Christ Jesus. I hope that you rested well last night and that we are happy to be here in God's house in order to worship him. Today, as you know, is the 13th Sunday after Trinity. The words of our text that I just read were spoken by Jesus somewhere over in Perea, that region east of the Jordan. He had finished his Galilean ministry of two years. He had crossed the river Jordan and he was slowly making his way to Jerusalem for the time of his death. It was about four months, we could say, before the time of his death in Jerusalem. We are told that at this time there were quite a number of individuals who were gathered in front of him and as he spoke to that multitude that day here in Perea, he made a very startling statement to them. I wonder if you and I ever realized just how shocking it is. He said, I am come, he said, to send into this world. I am come to send fire into this world. I am come to set this world on fire. I have come into this world in order to start a dire, tremendous conflagration. You and I may say, that is a startling thing. Jesus came into the world in order to bring fire on this earth, to set this world on fire. We may say, what did he mean? It isn't rather difficult. He said, I wish it were burning right now. And as we look at his words, he says this, Do you think that I came into this world to bring peace? You think I came to bring concord and unity and goodwill among men? I tell you, I did not. I came into the world, he said, to bring division. I came into this world to set this world on fire. I came in to set a world conflagration. You and I may stop for a moment and say, well, that, that doesn't sound like Jesus. Uh, the Jesus that you and I know, you mean he came to set the world on fire? And he's to set the world on fire, not to bring unity and peace, but to bring the fire of dissension, the fire of conflict, the fire of disturbance, the fire of hatred, the fire of war, the fire of persecution, strife. 
He came into this world to upset this world and to set it on fire, the fire again of division, of suffering, of persecution. And we say, that just doesn't sound like him. And we may say, why? Why in the world did he ever come into this world to set this world on fire? Why did he ever come into this world not to bring peace, not to bring concord, and not to bring unity among men, but to bring the fire of dissension and strife and hatred and bloodshed? Persecution, why? Say, it's so unlike him, but he tells us why. He says, I have a baptism to be baptized with. And he said, I am troubled until that comes to pass. And you and I may say, what is this baptism that he is so troubled with? And that is the baptism of blood. He was going to Jerusalem and he was going to the cross. And this baptism that lay ahead of him was the cross. And here is what he was saying to them. I want you to know this that I have come into this world to set this world on fire, the fire of dissension, the fire of turmoil, the fire of strife, because in the very nature of the thing, my cross, my cross is the torch, the torch that I'm throwing into the world, the torch, the fire brand that I'm throwing that's going to set the world on fire, it's my cross. And he wanted them to know my cross is offensive. My cross is something that nauseates individuals. My cross is something that makes people so offended that they turn against my cross and they turn against those who love the cross. And so Jesus today says to you and me, write this on your hearts and don't you ever forget it. The purpose of my coming into the world, I have come to set the world on fire. I have come to bring into this world dissension and confusion. I have come to bring conflict. I have come to bring division. Not that I want it that way, Jesus would say to you and me this morning, but it was inevitable, it couldn't have been otherwise, because the torch that has lighted this world conflagration, it's my cross, Calvary, that is so offensive, it is so repulsive, it is so revolting to individuals that men turn against the cross and they turn against those that love my cross, and you and I may say this morning, is Christ cross is Calvary so repulsive is Calvary so revolting is it so oppressive that it causes men to turn away from the cross and to turn with all the spite and hatred of their hearts against those who love the cross Jesus wants you and me to know yes it's the most offensive thing in the world this cross of his this Calvary he would remind you and me in the first place that again the reason why he has come to set the world on fire is the offense of the cross because this cross, it is so offensive to some for this reason that it tells us that all of us without exception, we are under guilt and we are under the damnation of sin. You and I may say in our Christian lives, I don't find the cross revolting. I don't find it so repulsive. I don't find that it nauseates me. I believe the cross. There it is, and Jesus on the cross and tells me that I'm a sinner. It tells me that I have broken God's law, that I am lost and damned, and that I deserve hell and damnation, both body and soul. It doesn't offend me, and therefore I know that I need the Christ to the cross, but that isn't true of every man. There are men who turn to the cross of Calvary, and they say, you mean to say, Christ on the cross, that I am a sinner, that I was born and conceived in sin, and that I have broken your law, and therefore I am damned? And they say, hogwash, I don't believe that. You mean to say that I need you, that I, when death comes, that I shall go to hell and be damned? 
Hogwash, men say. I don't believe that. And because this cross, this is the torch that has lighted this conflagration. This is the firebrand that set this world on fire because it is so nauseating to many men. Now that is why Jesus says, don't you ever forget it. I came not to bring peace and concord and goodwill. I came to set the world on fire. I came to throw a torch into this world and there's a world conflagration because my cross, this baptism of mine is so offensive. And you and I say, is it that offensive? And Jesus reminds you and me, oh yes, this cross is so offensive that it causes many men to turn against the cross and to turn in spite and enmity against those that love the cross because the cross tells you and me that Christ alone has deliverance from hell and the gift of eternal life to offer us and that only those who repent of their sins and put their faith and trust in him shall have eternal life. And you and I say, I wonder what's so repulsive about the cross. Why is it like Ipecac that it makes you want to vomit? What is there that some men look at it and they say it's a horrible thing and they hate it with all the vengeance and they turn against those who love the cross? Well, the cross tells you and me, and we love it, don't we, that Jesus was God's son. He was God's son that came out of the ivory palaces into this world. And as God's son, he was born of the Virgin Mary without sin. He became a human being. And then he went to Calvary's cross to God and to man. And then he bore hell and damnation for you and me and for all men. And that he could do it because he was no less than God. He was of more value than the human race. And that again, not only did he deliver us from hell, but he merited a robe of righteousness for the entire human race, whiter than snow. But when a man puts on that robe of righteousness, it covers up all his sins, and that in Jesus there is eternal life. And I say, I, I love that cross, but there are men who say, you can't tell me that he was God. You can't tell me that he was God the Son. You can't tell me that he was without sin. He was nothing more than the illegitimate child of a virgin by the name of Mary. You can't tell me that on the cross that he was forsaken of God and that he and he alone, that he has deliverance from hell for the entire human race, for trillions of human beings, and that he has the robe of righteousness for the entire world of men. Men say hogwash. Men turn against the cross and they turn their backs and then they turn to those who love the cross. And here he is again, this fire that's burning. Uh, Jesus says, I came into the world to throw a firebrand. And the fire is raging. I've set the world on fire. It's a fire of animosity. It's a fire of strife and of division. And all because, again, men stand and they look at the cross of Calvary and they say, this is so much blahu. This is so much farce. This is so much that is ridiculous. The scandal of the cross. And that they say, do you mean to say that I must repent of my sins and I must accept him as Savior in order to be delivered from death and have eternal life? And that's what the cross says. And men say that absolutely isn't true. Men hate it. And again, it's repulsive and it's revolting to them. Jesus says, you want to know why I came in the world? Think of it over here in Korea, this little stranger from Galilee standing in Korea and saying, I came into the world to set the world on fire, to bring fire on this. I came into the world to start a world conflagration. I've come into the world indeed to do that very thing. And we may say, he came in to bring into this world fire. And we look at ourselves and we say, well, wasn't he speaking the truth? In the air... 
very few years after he died, we know that in the year 64 there was Nero wasn't there in Rome. Oh, it started already with Stephen when they stoned Stephen. Stephen went out and was talking about the cross of Jesus that he died. We know about that when they stoned him because they hated him. Then again, here was a man that held the coats when they stoned him, you recall, a man named Saul from Tarsus. And this man hated the cross with such a vengeance that he gave his life. I'm going out and I'm going to kill. Now I'm going to put him in the prison. I will bring harm to any man. Now that looks at that cross and says that there is the Messiah. There is the Savior. You have the persecutions under this man, Saul of Tarsus. And then again, when you get to Nero in Rome, if you've ever been there and you stood in the Colosseum and you've seen where again Christians paid with their lives under again Nero and there was Diocletian and Trajan and Marcus Aurelius, those who have turned. Why? The cross of Christ. This is the thing that men say it's so oppressive. Jesus was saying, I started the conflagration and it sure started. If you got down in the catacombs in Rome, when you get to Rome, be sure and go down there and see where the early Christians were. Where somewhere between two million, it's estimated to seven million Christians in the first four centuries paid with their lives because men hated the cross. And when you get down there and you see where they worshipped and they brought their dead and they worshipped on the tombs, that every time you and I come in the church we ought to know that that altar is a tomb and it reminds us of the catacombs that again it was because of the hatred of the cross. Then you and I look at our world today and we say, you mean to say that this Jesus of Nazareth, that he, he took a firebrand and he threw it in the world and said, I'm going to set the world on fire. I'm going to set it on fire with strife and contention and division. You and I look at ourselves, we say, where is it today? Was he speaking the truth? We look at communism, don't we? And we say, what about communism? Communism, again, don't forget, it's a religion that says we shall do away with all religions which are an opiate of the people, especially Christianity. What is communism, again, to do away with the cross of Christ? When you and I realize that in less than a hundred years, take the surface of the earth, over three-fourths of the surface of the earth is under the rule of communism. Over three-fourths of the present population of this earth right now is under godless communism. Jesus said, I've set the world on fire, and believe you me, it's burning. He says, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring division. When you and I look out on this world today, we say, God knows that this world's on fire. Here again, those that are saying, the cross has got to go. And they turn. And they turn with hatred and with violence and division on those who see something beautiful in the cross, in that baptism of blood that Jesus said, this is the firebrand, this is the torch that I'm throwing in, the world's going to set the world on fire. Rather strange, isn't it? The problem in the world today is religion. Don't you ever kid yourself. The whole problem, men say it's this social evil and it's that social evil. Listen, it's Christ. He is the one, the torch that he threw that set the world on fire is Calvary and it's still the Christ of the cross. He is the one. He said, not that I wanted it that way, but it had to be there was no other way when I would come into the world that I would again, I'd bring, I'd bring fire. I'd bring division. And we say, oh why, why do men find the cross so offensive? And yet we know they do. 
Jesus reminds us that men find it so offensive that they turn against the cross and they turn against those who love the cross for this obvious reason that the cross tells us that it's the most divisive power in all the world. We say, is the cross such a divisive thing that men hate it with a vengeance and they turn against those who love the cross of Jesus Christ? Jesus says, this is what it's going to be, and he prophesied. He said, it's going to be in a family of five. It's going to be divided. Takes an ordinary Jewish family with the father and the mother and the son, the daughter, and the daughter-in-law, because when the son married, he usually brought his wife, and he lived in his father's house. And Jesus said, this is the way it's going to be. I've come into this world. I've come into the world to set the world on fire. A tremendous conflagration, a fire of bitterness and of hatred and animosity. He said, this is what you're going to see. You're going to see the father against the son and the son against the father and the mother against the daughter and the daughter against the mother. And again, the mother-in-law against the daughter-in-law and the daughter-in-law against the mother-in-law. Why? How Jesus Christ, the cross, Oh, again, how we sort of an ipecac, how he makes people vomit, how they hate it, and how it, it just simply strips into pieces blood ties and marriage ties. We talk about blood runs thicker than water, don't we? We say, take something to break a blood tie. Jesus says, you know, I've got something that's going to break a blood tie, my cross. And you and I are living in the age when we know that even in Russia today when the sons turn in their parents because they worship Jesus Christ and his cross or the other way around and it's three against two and two against three. Even as you and I realize even a man like Mark Twain when his wife was a Christian and she prayed at the table and one day said, shut up, I never want to hear another prayer out of you. This is what Jesus is talking about. You and I say this cross, it's a revolting thing. Men hate it. Again, it goes against men's pride. Men don't want to be sinners. Men don't want to be damned. Men don't want to save you. When again this cross, this was the firebrand that he threw into the world. And believe you me, it's burning, and it's burning brightly. And it's burning in your day and mine. How many homes have been broken up because of Jesus Christ and the cross? Blood ties cut into strips and family ties when men have found it intolerable because Men hate the cross of Jesus Christ. Christ says, if you want to know why I came, don't ever forget it. Write it on your hearts. I came into this world. I didn't come to bring peace and concord and unity and goodwill. I came into the world to set the world on fire. And the brand that I used when I threw it in that started this great tremendous conflagration was my baptism of blood, my cross of Calvary. This is the thing that the world hates to think that a lonely stranger from Galilee and Perea would say, the torch that's going to set the world on fire and bring division and animosity and hatred is my cross. And he was speaking the truth. Because this cross also tells you and me that to reject the cross, that it's utterly inexcusable, it's utterly indefensible, it is thoroughly unjustified. He looked at the crowd that day and he said, why is it, he says, you can look to the Mediterranean to the west and you see clouds in the sky and say it's going to rain. And it does. You're pretty clever. Or you can feel a south wind blowing on you and when the south wind blows, it's going to be a scorcher today. And Jesus says, and so it is. Rather strange, he says, you hypocrites, that you're so brilliant. You know how to interpret the signs of the earth, but you can't interpret the signs of the time. What is he saying to them? 
Listen, I have come. I'm the Messiah. I'm the Savior. By my miracles, I have proved beyond the shadow of a doubt that I am the Christ. And yet, you seemingly don't have the intelligence to say, here is the Christ. Here is life and salvation. Here is that one that has been promised. Jesus says, what's wrong with you? When the cross of Jesus Christ says to you and me, there won't be anything else. We've got all we need, the Word of God. We've got everything that God Almighty could give to convince any man that in the cross of Jesus Christ there is life and salvation and there is no life, there is no salvation apart from the cross. But Jesus says again, it's utterly indefensible and therefore it's going to go on to the end of time and rejection of the cross means certain damnation. This is what he was talking about in Korea. I've come to set the world on fire, and he surely has. And he said, not that I wanted it that way, but it was inevitable. There was no other way. Because the torch, the firebrand that I was throwing into the world was my death on the cross. And because men find it so offensive and so repulsive and so revolting, they turn against my cross and they turn against those who love it. And that's why... The world's on fire. The world has a tremendous, horrible conflagration. Jesus said, don't ever forget it. And when we write it on our hearts this morning, we ought to say to ourselves, this is Christ speaking rather seriously. We ought to determine that not to be surprised that the earth and the world is on fire and all because of the cross of Christ. Sometimes we get surprised. We sort of look at Jesus as sort of a jellyfish, just a, a nice, loving individual that never again brings men to see just the realities of life and what his cross means. Don't be surprised when you and I must realize this, that in the world, the big problem is religion. The big thing that brings fire into the world is Calvary, the cross of Jesus Christ. Today we're hearing an awful lot about going out and witnessing and to be sure Jesus wants us to witness. But you know the idea is being left that as we go out and witness for him that we can look for tremendous ingatherings into the kingdom of God. I don't look for that because the cross still stands as very revolting, as very oppressive. I'm not a pessimist, but I don't look for any greater gains in the kingdom of God than what we've had in this past 2,000 years. There are those who stand and they see that cross. They say it's offensive, it's revolting, it makes me vomit, it makes me sick. And they turn against those who love the cross. Let's face realities. Jesus called us spade a spade. Don't forget this side of him, too. He said, I've come into the world to bring fire on the earth. I came into this world to set this world on fire. The fire of contention. The fire of strife, of bitterness, and of hatred. We may say, well, what about war? Oh, if we can just stop one war, if we could stop the Korean War for the time being, thank God. But as long as in this world men turn and despise the cross, that's why Jesus says there's going to be wars and rumors of wars and it's going on to the end of time. Don't be surprised. And we ought to determine this. We ought to say to ourselves, well, 
What can we do about it? There are those in the church today who are saying, here's the answer. Uh, change the cross. Let's get rid of Calvary. If you get rid of sin and you get rid of speaking about hell and damnation and eternal life, uh, this is going to bring unity and harmony and concord. And so in the ecumenical movement, there are those who are ready to say, forget the cross. And you preachers that preach the cross, forget it. Let's talk about the other ills in the world, the social ills, and let's forget it. But let me tell you this, friend, whenever you shave it down, and you omit the cross of Calvary, that torch that Jesus threw into the world and said, this is a fire that's going to set a conflagration. Whenever we forget it, we could have everybody calling himself a Christian and make it easy and everybody damned. Is this what we want? We ought to stop this morning and say, well, he came into the world to set the world on fire. A horrible conflagration, the fire again of strife, of turmoil, of division persecution. We may say, was it worth it? Why in the world didn't he stay in heaven where he belonged? Why did he come into the world? Was it really worth it? Well, evidently he thought it was worth it, didn't he? He thought it was worth it. Jesus, I'm still going, even though I know that my coming in the world will set it on fire. I know that I'll divide men, that it will divide families, it'll cut deeper than blood ties and family ties and marriage ties. I know that it will bring conflict, but supposing he hadn't come, that would mean that nobody would be saved. And that would be held to be lost now, wouldn't it? To be saved must mean something, even though in your life and mine we may say it's a small, it's a little trite thing whether I'm saved or lost. Christ said it's so tremendous and it means so much to me that I came into the world and set the world on fire in order to have all the distress and everything that comes so that there could be a Calvary and you could be saved. It must be wonderful to be saved. We ought to thank him for coming. Some of us may say, well, I've looked at the church and I've called it the establishment. That's a bad word today, you know, establishment. Everything's wrong with the church. Everything's wrong with you old fogey preachers that are still talking about Christ and Calvary. But isn't it a wonderful thing to know that even if we have been nauseated by him, even if we've laughed at the cross, he came into the world for you and me that we can still be saved. There was Saul of Tarsus, you know. He was going on the way to Damascus one day, you know, and he hated the cross and this Jesus of Nazareth with a vengeance. And again, there was a great cloud overshadowed him in a voice, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the answer came, I'm Jesus whom you persecute. This man, this man Saul repented. And he accepted this Christ whom he hated. And he said, I'm the chief of sinners. I persecuted the church of God. I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle. But he says to you and me, if you've been bitter, if the cross has been something that you've laughed at, if it's been a scandal, it's been foolishness, remember that there is still forgiveness, there is still eternal life, and oh, the joy of being saved. And you and I say, what's the outcome going to be? Here this world's on fire. All the strife and the discontent and the hatred and the persecution. But thank God, Jesus says, there will come Armageddon. He again tells us that, oh, he will meet all the forces of evil, those that have fought the cross, and he, Jesus Christ, will stand supreme. 
that every knee, all of his enemies, shall bow in heaven and earth and under the earth, and every tongue shall say, yes, he was the Christ, the great vindication day. Don't you ever think that because the world's on fire, because men hate the cross and they hate it in this 20th century just as much and more as they did in the first century, don't you ever think the cause is lost? That you and I may have the joy of knowing that vindication day will come, he had to come into the world and set it on fire because there was no other way, because this is the way of the cross. There's just something about the cross that is so oppressive and so revolting to some that they hate it with a vengeance and they turn to those who love the cross and they vent their spleen on those. And Jesus says, I've told you. Remember, write it on your hearts that you and I may Say, I I'm walking the glory road with Jesus. I'm going to hold on to that cross. And he was meandering slowly in Perea to come and to cross the Jordan. He was coming again into Judea, into Jerusalem, and he was going to the cross. It's nice that you and I in spirit may say, I want to walk where Jesus walked and for today to walk with him. To be able to sing on the glory road, I've walked today where Jesus walked, and I'm an arm to walk with him and to climb the hill of Calvary, where on the cross he died, and to stand there with him and to say, I climbed the hill of Calvary, where on the cross he died, and fell him close to me. To have him so close to say, See, son, from Calvary, see, this is the way to heaven. Here is the way to heaven. My cross to the crown. That you and I can stand there and say, thanks, Jesus. That you threw that torch into the world. And even though you brought fire and set the world on fire. Oh, to be able to say, Jesus, saved by your cross. Wonderful, saved by your cross. Amen. The peace of God, which passeth all human understanding, keeping unite your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting.